What's up, guys? Henry here. Before we get into the main show, wanted to tell you about a quick way to get a free six-pack from our new sponsor, Coors Light. Here's how you do it. Leave a review on the show with your name and Twitter handle. That's it. From there, someone will be in touch with you about how to redeem your free Coors Light six-pack ahead of the draft starting April 27th. If you've already left a review, which a couple hundred of you out there have, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter DM at Henry underscore Ettinger, and we'll figure out a way to take care of you as well. I'm very excited about this new partnership. I hope you guys are too, because two minutes and you get free beer. So what could be better? All right. Now onto the main show. Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by recurring guest of the show, Brad Ward. Brad, glad to have you back on, and the timing could not be better. We had this episode planned uh, ahead of time, but then breaking news from the Browns yesterday is they added Jadavion Clowney, so I can't wait to, to hear your thoughts on that, on that the Browns offseason as a whole, because it's been a few weeks since we've had you on and just so much sure. more going on with this team ahead of the draft. So how you doing, my guy? I'm doing awesome, man. And uh, I appreciate you having me on. It's fantastic. Uh, anytime, brother. Anytime. Yeah. So let's let, let's just jump into it as far as as the clown yeah. news. I, I, I recorded a brief emergency podcast with my my co-host Jordan yesterday, but really didn't get a chance to dive into all of the particulars. We have some more contract details now, all of that stuff. So, you know, the deal is, it came out one year's $10 million, right? And I think everybody knew when it said up to $10 million is the initial language that, hey, that's not going to be ultimately what, what is the case here. And then we got the actual details where, it only counts, you know, uh, roughly three and a half million dollars against the cap this year and 3.66 next year, I think. And yeah. basically it is an eight million dollar base salary this year with some incentives. So those are a little bit more of the actual contract details that we've gotten. But Brad, just knowing that we know that and in general what the price for Clowney is and now that we know he's officially a Brown after multiple multiple visits. What are your thoughts on his addition to this team? So I got to be honest, you know, at the first time that, you know, we started to hear whispers of, okay, they're going after Clowney again. Uh, You know, this has been a courting back and forth for years now. Right. So last year, especially where they offered him a monster deal, Mm -hmm. he turned it down went someplace else for cheaper. Um, I was kind of like, Eh, you know, I like Clowney as a player, but let's just see. I would, I guess I was a little weary of what he was going to ask for initially. Once we kind of saw the market and, you know, the high paid guys get $12 million and up, you know, Aquara and, and those guys, uh, Romeo and those guys get $12 million and up. I kind of felt like he would fall under that and the Browns could do that. There didn't seem to be a market developing for Clowney. Andrew Barry loves this guy for some reason, right? Like, obviously he's coming back to the table time after time to get him. He loves, he loves him. And I think he loves him because he brings a different kind of versatility to the team, right? So like, this is a guy 
that they're going to use up and down the line of scrimmage, inside and outside, stop the run game, set the edge, it, it just all the right things that you need a guy to do opposite Miles Garrett, right? Like you don't need him to be the superstar. You need him to be the guy that does all the right things. And I made this point last night on my show, and I think I think it to me it makes a lot of sense. When you think about the Browns and the AFC, right? AFC quarterbacks that are going to be competing against the Browns for championships, Super Bowls, hopefully, right? Mahomes, Allen, Lamar Jackson, all guys that are super mobile. So it's not just a straightaway rush the quarterback type scenario. When you get a freakish athlete like Clowney out there that can run guys down and um, disrupt plays because he's more of a disruptor, right? Like disruption instead of production, right? Is like the quote, right? So like if he's the guy that, that will run those guys down or, or keep them in the pocket for a second longer because he's, he's fundamentally sound and he's going to make the right decision, you know what I mean? And, and not overrun the play. Um, he plays the run fantastically. I think he's a perfect compliment. And, you know, with Tack McKinley, when you can say I got Tack McKinley and him for the price of one of those $12 million guys that went early in free agency, I think that's just as good, if not better. So uh, in the end of the day, I'm really happy that they signed him. Uh, I think that it will be a really nice scheme fit. And I think that the Browns have obviously felt very strongly about what he can do for him for a long time. So I'm on the exact same page with you and you brought up a lot of the reasons why I like this deal. And ironically enough too, I was on the same page with you where I was a little skeptical about Clowney going in, but then you see the dominoes fall, right? And yes. you talked about this, the free agency dominoes, you look at the young guys who could be a key addition, you know, that a three, four year addition to this defense and the price tag for those guys versus the production to me, just didn't quite add up. And so I'm glad the Browns passed on it. And then you throw in, okay, so what did they do instead? And you get Clowney and then you get Tack McKinley uh, across from Garrett. And to me, those two make so much sense together because yeah. of exactly what you described. Clowney to me at this point, his best skill as a pass rusher is getting to that interior. He really creates a lot of problems for those guards and on the interior of the offensive line. And Tack McKinley is going to be, I think, a little bit more of a guy that's definitely going to play on the edge and be more effective in third down, you know, pass obvious situation. So all of a sudden you can play all those guys together and it yes. makes sense uh, across this defense. And so now when you're like, okay, now I see the vision a little bit. And as you also said, and this is the thing that I think is key for Jadavion Clowney, and it's not sexy, it's not going to be the sacks and all that, but he has been disruptive in the run game still the last couple of years. And the Browns need that Always. at the defensive yep. end position. Uh, as you mentioned the teams they're playing, uh, you know, uh, they need somebody that can stop the run on the edge in those early down situations. And I think Clowney can certainly provide that. So is he a perfect player? No, he certainly has limitations. I don't love the way you know he's he's played in pass rush situations all the time the last couple of years he's not a long-term solution obviously opposite miles no. garrett given his age in this contract but if you take a step back and say okay what were the options i i, I started to like this deal more and more just because it, it fits in line with with the vision of this team and that's what to me is so encouraging about this offseason in general 
is Andrew Barry just doing a lot of things that make sense for everybody yes. from a football perspective. And this deal just falls right in line with that. Yeah, I mean, and, and you talk about, like, there's no other team in the NFL with multiple number one picks on the team, right? They've got three now, three number one overall picks on the Browns right now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the the athleticism, the elite physical attributes are all there still with him, right? Like, you know, barring injury, right? So, and he's, he's still could land in that perfect spot like the ceiling is is out of this world like he could just absolutely change everything for the browns and become dominant and get those sacks he could have eight to ten sacks that wouldn't shock me right like out of nowhere because he's he used to be in double team he was like the third most double team guy in the league last year so now he's one-on-one you know uh on the outside he can present pressure on the inside you know uh, they get the mobile quarterbacks. He's going to get sacks that way. I, you mentioned Tack McKinley. I think Tack McKinley is kind of a guy that you more set up on the outside to tee off against a less mobile quarterback where he's still got that, that burst and bend to get inside on a guy that's in the pocket. They kind of complement each other. Well, uh, you know, and you can really, you know, Joe Woods has shown, you know, that he likes to go to that NASCAR package where, you know, you take one of the heavier guys out of the line and really kind of send a lot of speed at somebody. And they can really do that now, especially with Malik Jackson, who can go out on the edge. Yep. I mean, they're also versatile, right? You get so many different combinations of guys in that front four. Uh, it just gives them limitless options. Absolutely. You mentioned it. Versatility. That's what this deal yeah. really, really speaks to me. And you also mentioned Clowney and the double team rates. Yeah, over the last three years, yeah. he has been double teamed 28% of the time. That's the third highest mark in the NFL. And so that's obviously not going to happen at nearly as often with this Browns team because he's got Miles Garrett sitting on the other side of the line. Absolutely. Him, who's going to get all of the attention. And so that's where you see, as you mentioned, the upside is tremendous. The upside of this deal to me is an extremely productive player who has had just flashes of absolute game-changing brilliance still in the last couple of years, despite his age, despite not being consistently productive, he has the ability to turn a game on its head, which the Browns could, absolutely could use as, as yes. on defense, uh, you know, because right now it feels like Miles Garrett's really the only guy on that defense. I mean, maybe you throw in Denzel Ward, but it's a little different for a corner. So, it, you know, Garrett really felt like the only guy on this defense. Now you throw in another guy like that in Clowney. And then, you know, the downside, and this is what I threw out on Twitter, is I just felt like there's no downside to this deal. Like, what happens? No. Okay, he gets hurt. That That's absolutely a concern. But then, okay, you've got Tech McKinley. They may still address edge in the draft. You've got Malik Jackson who can play on the outside. So if he gets hurt, not the end of the world. If the production's not there, you've got those other options. And we talked about it off the top. The contract is basically nothing as, as far as a concern to the Browns long-term. It's not really going to prevent anything else they want to do, you know, in future seasons as well. So I just, I don't see the downside really in this deal. No, there isn't one. I mean, there, there isn't one at all, really. I mean, so like he can, he can take you to the next level, but he, he's not, you're not depending on him to do that. Like life goes on. Mm-hmm. If, if Clowney doesn't perform or he gets hurt, you know, out knock on wood out for the rest of the year or something like that. Right. Like it's not going to affect 
the Browns' chances as a whole, they still have a legitimate chance to, to be what they want to be this year. He's just another uh, another guy that potentially can take them uh, to the next level. And, and this defense, you, you mentioned the versatility. The defense from back to front is versatile. You know, it, it, it's not just the front four. You talk about his, you know, Barry's approach to this free agency is, you know, those three safeties can mix and match, uh, you know, uh, and, the, and then along with this front four now, those guys mix and match inside to outside, you know, say bring a safety up in the box. We know he's going to run a lot, want to want to run a lot of four, two, five, you know, three safety sets and okay. stuff. So uh, the versatility there is endless with this defense at this point. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, and let's talk about that in, in the offseason a little bit more because I know you sure. had Troy Hill on your podcast who's one of those versatile players, a guy that that's played in the slot, that's played outside. I just, I, you know, what, what did you think of, of that signing and, and what, you know, information can you share with the listeners about Troy and, and how he sees himself fitting into this new Browns ecosystem? Yeah. I mean, he flat out said, I asked him, you know, where do you expect to play? He had already talked to all the guys and everything. He, he expects to play inside in the slot. Right. So like the nice thing about Troy Hill is he can do both. He's proven to do both. He did, he played outside until they signed Jalen Ramsey with the Rams, right? And that kicked him inside. And that was really the first time he ever played inside, he said, uh, in the in the nickel or in the slot. And and he excelled. He was he was probably the best in the league at it. You know, going into this offseason, there was five guys on my list that I said were huge upgrades over what the Browns had with Kevin Johnson and the, the slot position. And I, that felt like a really easy way to upgrade the defense, which is why I was kind of talking about Hill a lot, Brian Poole, Mike Hilton, all those guys, a couple extra million dollars more than the 3.5 they played, paid Kevin Johnson. That's an easy, cheap upgrade and a huge upgrade on the field, right? And so when they signed Troy Hill, that just makes a ton of sense. So I was pounding the table for him. They ended up signing him right after John Johnson III, they have a close relationship. They both know Jojo Natson really well. Uh, you know, I've actually had an ongoing conversation with Troy's representation for some time now. I sent him a bunch of All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirts and stuff. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I've been, uh, you know, trying to get in good with those guys ever since he's been on the show. But, uh, you know, he's, he's an awesome guy, and he expects to play in the slot or in the nickel. But really, you know, 
he also said, you know, wherever they ask me to go, I'm ready to play. And that's another guy that's extremely versatile that, that if push come to shove where like last year, and I don't expect it to be like this, I expect them to be much deeper in that room, uh, you know, especially addressing it again here in the draft. But, you know, last year where you had guys like uh, Kevin Johnson, who has no business really going to play outside wide corner uh, forced into action out there. Right. Uh, and MJ Stewart getting way too many snaps. So, you know, I just, you know, Tavier Thomas stepping in and playing a guy, special teams guy, never played really any downs on defense before stepping in and playing in the slot. So Troy Hill is a huge upgrade over Kevin Johnson. He's probably the best slot uh, corner on the market. And, and they went out and got him. And, and I mean, they got two, what, two fifths of the best uh, pass defense in the NFL with him and John Johnson, the third and cheap. Cheap. Yeah, and, cheap and for good deals, yeah. as, as you yeah. said, yeah, Troy Hill, I mean, number one PFF slot corner over the last couple of years. I mean, that's just, yeah. he's been very successful in that role. And you mentioned it, not only is he a, a great talent, but what is he replacing? I mean, listeners will know this yes. from, from me this season. I, I complained a lot about Kevin Johnson, both from a uh, coverage and tackling perspective <laughs> this last year. I couldn't believe, I believe it. And as you said, he's also insurance for that outside. I mean, you mentioned some of the guys. The, the one that stuck out to me was Robert Jackson. When Robert Jackson right. was announced as a starter, I think it was uh, 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 in one of those games towards the end of the year, I was like, I cover this team. I know every player up and down this roster. I was like, I confidently know. I have no idea what Robert Jackson looks like. I do not remember seeing him <laughs> on the field. I went and looked him up. He had played 9% of snaps in one game that was all on special teams. And I was like, okay, great. This guy is starting opposite uh, yeah. corner for us because we have nobody else. And so this, you know, the signing of him, John Johnson, all of that, it just, it, the defense is just going to be so much better than it was last year. Such upgrades across the board. John Johnson, the third, you know, when everybody else was paying too much for edges, Barry sits back and he gets his guy on less money than other teams offered him with John Johnson, the third, mm -hmm. who is a, is a, you know, renowned off the field, great guy, a, a leader at, at a young age in the locker room. The nice thing about him and, and Walker is they're both those leadership types, right? Like really good, great locker room guys, leaders, uh, everybody talks about how amazing he is. If you saw the Darius Leonard tribute to Walker, I mean, you don't see that stuff every day, right? Like that never happens, right? And this guy's like giving him credit for the man he is and the kind of player he is and everything, right? Um, and, and digging into that a little more, I think it's a lot about Walker's film study is kind of the thing that that guys latch on to. So you hope that, you know, Jacob Phillips latches onto that and he becomes what the Browns think he can become. Um, but those two guys having leaders at such a young age and, and being, you know, John Johnson, the third being such a premier player. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's tremendous to bring in leadership and stay young. Uh, I mean, that's amazing. And, 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 you know, you see those guardrails all the time for the Browns age matters is one of them. Right. And it always sticks out to me, uh, but it does. And, and, and he sticks to that all the time with the age matters thing. So it's interesting, uh, you know. But uh, John Johnson III is uh, another guy that I absolutely loved ahead of time, but I thought was kind of a pipe dream, and, and you know, they, they pulled it off, so. I think what's encouraging of, about both John Johnson III and more most recently, too, this Clowney signing is, is you hear the confidence building around the league uh, about yes. the Browns organization is there's 
an air of competence to the Browns organization that people are trusting in, whether it's John Johnson III saying he took less money to come here, he sees the vision. You saw the quotes of Davion Clowney yesterday saying the Browns are, you know, are an attractive option because they win. And he feels that they're going to win this year. And so those things matter, especially in an offseason like this. The cap goes down. Maybe the market wasn't there for Clowney as he was expecting. So what does he do? He goes to a team that he thinks has a shot to win, is going to put him in an advantageous situation as far as the scheme is concerned, and, and then is going to put him in the spotlight. And so those things are really encouraging as a Browns fan. And, and as you said as well, leadership. I am not yeah. the biggest leadership guy in, in terms of – of that mattering just because typically speaking, I feel like a lot of NFL players, it's very difficult to know how long they're going to be on the team. And so right, it, yeah. like in the case of Anthony Walker, I'm a little bit lower on that signing just because I'm like, I, I understand he's a great leader, but he I, he's also on a one-year deal with the Browns. So I don't know how long he's going to be on the team. But in the case of John Johnson, I feel like the Browns need that guy a little bit on this defense, especially a guy, you know, the, the quotes you hear about John Johnson, because he's, Absolutely a, a leader, but also plays with a little bit of an edge. And Clowney, yes. too, is a little bit that way. And yes. I feel like this defense needs a little bit of an edge. They, they've been they pushed did. around the last couple of years. And, and and although, I mean, I, I love Miles Garrett to the end of the earth. That's not exactly his personality, right? Like, that's never really been who he is as a player. And so to add somebody in the back end kind of opposite him who, who plays with that edge, who talks the talk with that edge – yeah, it got me excited. And that's part of the reason. I mean, I was all over this John Johnson signing. I was like, the money is great. The need, the scheme fit, everything here is exactly what we need. And then, as I said, usually I'm not the leadership guy, but in this case, I was, I was like, whoa, this, this fits, this checks every single box as far as what I'm looking for in a, in a big free agent signing, if you're going to spend that kind of money. Yeah, I mean, he's the real deal, right? I mean, you you, you you hear everything about him and then you put on the tape and it's even better, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, just watching him, I mean, he's incredible. So uh, just uh, awesome signings for there. Uh, you mentioned you weren't as high on the Walker thing. And mm-hmm. I, I'm with you there. You know, it's a one-year deal. So it's not like, you know, whatever. But I think that it's hard to say because I, I liked BJ Goodson and thought he did a good job in the role that he was put in last year. So I think they probably could have brought back Goodson uh, for maybe, a, you know, the same price. And a lot of people kind of were looking for that maybe instead, but I think Walker maybe brings another, a different kind of element to the team, like a brains and maybe, you know, I, he takes a you know, Jake, a Jacob Phillips and, and turns him into, you know, kind of what the Browns, expect him to be I think the Browns are happy with their linebacker room you I keep seeing these mocks with linebackers at 26 and and, you know and I don't think that's insane but I highly doubt they're going to go linebacker at 26 I just don't think they value the position enough a uh you know with the analytical thinking there I mean the linebacker is the running back of the defense right like you can find a guy that can run and, and tackle you know, on the street sometimes, you know what I mean? And, and, and uh, so I I don't, you know, especially off ball linebacker. So I think that they don't value that quite as much. And uh, I I don't think they would use that kind of draft capital on that position. So the national kind of view interests me because I think it's a little bit off because I think internally, I think the Browns are kind of pretty happy with what they have in that room right now. 
I think so too. Yeah. I'm, so the reason I'm down on the Anthony Walker sign is, is for almost exactly what you just mentioned. I thought BJ Goodson actually had a pretty good year last year. And he I didn't did, understand yeah. why you just wouldn't bring him back and keep the continuity yeah. there. Uh, he, he obviously also has his limitations as a player, you know, in coverage, he, he really struggled. There were, there were a couple other things. There were a couple other things as well that, that weren't fantastic, but I think ultimately he could have, uh, you know, been more than serviceable there. So, and I agree with you as far as the draft. And so that's where I want to take this next because you're right. And I was talking about this the other day because we did all, me and my co-host did this whole scout on all the players that have been mocked to the Browns, right? We went through a bunch of the edges. We went through a bunch of the linebackers and the safety. And I was like, I really like the linebacker prospects. I I like Collins. I like uh, Jamin Davis. And then I, I, on the episode last night, I said, but then I had an epiphany. I was like, wait, at the beginning of this process, I was saying, I see all these linebackers mocked to the Browns. I don't believe they're going to take a linebacker. This is all. And I was like, I don't know why I've changed that. They're not, they're yeah. not taking linebacker here. This, that's yeah. not what this front office does. That hasn't been their MO at all. And so I, I it, to me, this be, puts them in a very interesting position. They don't necessarily need an edge at 26. I wouldn't hate if they still got one, because as we talked about, Clowney is not a long-term piece, but this frees them up a little bit, Brad, right? This, this cloudy signing no frees question. them up a little bit in, in the in the draft. And so I think that's, you know, a lot of what the conversation has been today is, okay, outside corner still a need. Odds are you're going to have to trade up, you know, to really get one of the elite guys in this draft. Or there's also been talk about them trading back and maybe getting some future picks in, in drafts other than this year, because at this point, there's not enough room for all these draft picks to make the team. There right? isn't. Yeah, that's a, you, you nailed it right there. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say is nine draft picks. They're, they're not, there's not enough room on the roster for nine guys, right? Like, you know, I expect, you know, I don't need, I don't mean to go down this road, but guys that I don't think are long for the roster, I, I think there's a couple guys there, mm-hmm. like, like an MJ Stewart. I don't think he's long for the roster. I don't think that necessarily Sheldrick Redwine is long for this roster, uh, but yeah, so I think that, you know, there's a couple guys that you can replace here and there, and certainly you have that need at wide corner, but it doesn't necessarily need to be addressed at 26 because it's a deeper corner class than it is an edge class. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, I've asked everybody that's come on my show a lot lately about draft strategy, right? Like, because you have your guys that'll – pound the table and say, best player available, best player available, best player available, right? <laughs> like, no matter what. And I've never really believed in, like, that kind of tunnel vision. Like, you're building a team. You're not just drafting blindly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's team building. Uh, you know, I'll give Jake Burns the credit on this one. Is he gave me the best answer. And he's like, it's best player available, being loyal to your board, but accounting for not so much your need – although you do account for that some, you know, like say 20% need, but also position of value, right? Like position of value, wide receiver, edge, corner, you know, your, your position of value guys, uh, not your offensive linemen, not your linebackers, you know, so that has to play into it as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like certain positions are worth so much more than others in football. And that's just the way it is. Uh, so when you account for that and need, and then best player available as well, I think you end up with probably who you should take, uh, at 26. I would love 
in my dream scenario at this point, for them to target their favorite corner that they like. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple of them and, and, and go get them in the first round. Or if they fall to them in the first round, what's even more of a dead zone is that area from 26 to 59, right? Their second mm-hmm. pick. Right there might even even be more of an ideal spot to use some draft capital and go up and get the guy you want right there, right? Like so, there's a lot of good corners in this draft. Mm-hmm. So if they're in love with the guy, go get him. You know, use the draft capital and go get him. That's how I feel about that. And I also think, as you kind of alluded to earlier, they need to answer. Even though you sign Clowney, the long term solution for Edge is not on the roster. So I I'm perfectly fine with them addressing edge at 26. Like I really like Aziz Ojolari. I like, uh, you know, I think that he would be a, a really good fit if he put on 20 pounds, you know, uh, and, and played that outside, uh, you know, edge opposite miles Garrett long-term. And when you talk about like roster allocation, that makes a lot of sense to me to have a long-term answer on a rookie deal opposite your guy on a mega deal. Right. That just kind of seems like an analytics thing to do long-term. Uh, so I like him. There's a number of other guys I like. I like Joseph Asai a lot, but I think he may be more of a second-round guy. Uh, yeah. I, I think it might be a reach at 26. Um, you know, a Weaver intrigues me just because of his size. Uh, and I think he's more NFL-ready than some of the other guys. Uh, so, you know, there's there's a number of guys certainly that – you. Know, Joe, you know, Joe Tryon is out there. Uh, a lot of people like him. Uh, J- you know, Oway is an interesting, interesting prospect. You know, the guy that ran the the three point uh, or the four three, uh, yeah, four three forty at his pro days. Now I don't know. I- I'm taking the the forty times in these pro days with a grain of salt because it's not at the uh, at the combine. So I think uh, you probably add about a tenth of a second to every one of those. 40 times uh but uh either way there's a guy that's a freak athlete but he didn't have one sack you know in, in his college career so i mean like not one sack at, at penn state <laughs> yeah, you know what i mean it's kind of so i don't know really know what to make of all that um so you know my favorite guy there at 26 it seems reasonable is ojalari but uh i, I also like a sigh and and i think that if you were going to get a sigh, you would probably wait until the second round. Ideally, at this point, in a perfect world, your favorite corner is right there for you at 26. Maybe a Greg Newsom or something like that. I, I, it's funny you say that. So basically, I feel like I am on an island. So I watched the def- defensive ends a little while ago and yeah. I wasn't as big a fan of Ojulari. And okay. I feel like everybody I've spoken to since then has been a fan of him. You know, football people I trust. And so I'm, I'm, def- I'm definitely an open mind there. I just, to me, the size is a little bit concerning. Uh, and and you mentioned the weight specifically. Obviously, he's got the length, uh, even though he might not be as tall as most defensive end. He's got, you know, really long wingspan and all of that. And he's got great bend around the edge. I get that. I, I know that, you know, the, the, the shade. So a lot of the great pass rushers out there that, that really bend, you know, the Vaughn Miller types. But yeah, I, I worry a little bit about him in almost he, 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 to me, feels like he could end up as a three, four outside linebacker a little bit. And so I, I don't know. I just, I'm not all the way there on him. And so I'm stuck a little bit in terms of what I want the Browns to do at 26, because you bring up the, you know, the cornerback position, which I think is an interesting thing. 
I love Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. He's a guy that's going to be available. You're, you're giving me the, the thumbs up that you do too. So that's fantastic. So I think the, the problem with him though, is he's going to be in that set, you know, early second round area. Yeah. Yeah. I, I went to Northwestern. I've seen every single snap that Greg Newsom has played. I have some concerns about the, the durability aspects with him. And so yeah. Yeah, it's it's him and Farley are both huge durability concerns that I feel like are going to be the guys that are available to the Browns at 26. So I'm stuck. I, I know a lot of people are saying trade up today, uh, you know, to get your corner or to get your edge guy that might not be available at 26 because of the roster. I'm almost in the opposite camp where I kind of feel like maybe trading back, getting some future picks that then you can deal with the deadline if injuries come up to address roster holes that may not exist now. That's a little bit, that's the way I'm leaning at this moment is I like the guys early in that second round. I don't like Melifonwu as much as Campbell, but I still like him as a corner prospect. Um, not uh, Tyson Campbell is, as I said, is, is a little bit my draft crush at this point. Um, and mine then, too, mine too, brother. <laughs> And then, yeah, and receivers, I think, you know, if you're going to get a receiver, I think that early second round makes a little bit more sense as well. And so I know it's not fun as a fan to be like, oh, let's trade yeah. back and get more capital in like the future that we're not going to see right now. But I almost lean that way as opposed to trading up. I don't know if you have a feeling about trading up or trading back. I, you know, I, it, there's so much value in trading back. Uh, it, I, honestly, smart organizations do it very often actually it, it's a really smart way to approach the draft especially if your guy's not there and and you don't have a ton of needs like you, you just don't want to reach right like you just don't want to reach for somebody mm -hmm. but yeah you mentioned tyson campbell trading back would be ideal for that right because then you could yeah. really use the capital and get a guy that you fell in love with i love his game uh you know you watch the tape with against Devonte smith and J the jamar chases of the world and he was on an eye. They just, they were like, go guard him. We're not going to help you. You're by yourself on an Island. I love that aspect of a guy playing corner. He, you know, he, he bumps the guy 20 plays in a row. Like you don't <laughs> yeah. see anybody else bumping Jamar chase, bumping Devonte Smith, 20 plays in a row. They're going to get off, right? Like they're, they're scared of getting beaten deep. He never, he's bumping them every play and every play is in their hip pocket. Like they may have made some catches, but he's in their hip pocket and his speed and his hips are greasy and he he's just elite like i i really love him i don't think like you know you see people's top fives and stuff and he's not in a lot of them and, and sometimes I, that just i blows my mind because to me he's a really really good corner that uh i would love for the browns to get yeah he's kind of my darling too uh, of the draft that i have been really high on and talked about a lot on my show actually so yeah I, I, I think that he falls right in between their picks somewhere, which makes yeah. it tricky. Yeah. So Mel Fonwu, I, I would be okay with same thing, but not as I think Campbell's better, a better player. Um, you know, Newsom, you make great points about Newsom and Farley, even though I think Farley is such an elite guy that I, I would be okay. Probably more with that. If he fell that far, uh, you know, a lot of people have him as their best corner in the whole class, right? Mm -hmm. You know, without the back concerns. Now, Newsom is really more than anything a scheme fit, right? Like he's a guy that's played a ton of zone, and the, you know the Browns are going to play a ton of you know uh, you know cover three, a ton of cover four, and he's done all that stuff, right? So like, and he's a he's a good tackler, but you're bringing a guy in that is 
coming into a room where the stress point there is already availability. You don't want to bring another guy in with an availability issue. And I totally get your point on that. Yeah, you we, and we've talked about Newsom a couple times on the show, uh, just because, as I said, I, I've watched so much of him. I, I don't know if I've yeah. ever been as familiar with a prospect. Uh, Rashawn Slater and O-line, but I mean, I'll be honest, I don't watch the offensive line play that much for Northwestern <laughs> as opposed to the quarterback's yeah. line. But uh, yeah, I mean, he you you mentioned the scheme fit. Northwestern plays tons of cover three zone. It's, it's the zone coverage they play the most. Greg Newsom thrived in zone coverage. The, the biggest concerns without about him have been his ability in press coverage with a lot of penalties there. Eric Crocker yeah. you know, came on my show, uh, you know, former uh, NFL player who's now doing scouting at the corner position and, and said he's not as concerned with Greg Newsom uh, in press coverage as some people are. He actually likes Newsom a lot. So I wouldn't hate the pick. But as you said, for me, I'm sitting there and I'm like, OK, if he's at 26 and that's the pick you use him for he might not solve the problem because of the durability concerns. And so that's ultimately where I come back to where I'm just, I'm, I'm, a, I'm nervous. Uh, look, he's my guy. He went to my alma mater. I love him. But if he goes to the Browns, yeah, I'm going to be nervous because I think they need somebody, you know, that they can rely on because frankly, I think the guys they currently have, you definitely can't rely on Greedy Williams. I'm not, you really can't rely on Denzel Ward to play 16 games at this point either. And so no. I, it's just, I'm I'm uh, I'm in a weird situation now where I'm like I almost feel like trading back is is the move though I know a lot of people are are clamoring to trade up as well. I mean you're trying to replace a guy in Terrence Money Mitchell who played more snaps than any other cornerback in the league including the playoffs. I mean that's yep. a remarkable snap or stat that that like uh you know if you include the playoffs like he played more downs than any other quarter. That's unbelievable. He was supposed to be our backup quarterback. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. talk about a guy that is there week in and week out and, and performed. You really got to replace a guy, you know, with these two corners that you know can go out there and play. Uh, I don't, I mean, what do you think of free agency at cornerback still? Do you, is there anybody out there that you even like that? I mean, cause that's crossed my mind. Like, you know, they're doing these deals with four void years. Why not go get Brashad Breland, a guy that I really like, think is sticky in coverage and has a playoff experience. I, I like Breland a lot, and I think he could be had on on a cheap deal. Uh, you know, just a thought, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't hate Breland uh, by any means. I am just of the mindset that they they need long-term help here and so my concern with free agency is is it's just it's not a you know so if you add another guy to the room I mean to me what that would signal is hey we're done with Greedy Williams and not not that the Browns are done with him from a talent perspective it's just he has these injuries that unfortunately you know that it sounds like this nerve injury really may be a a career affecting type injury and so if they sign somebody like that that's kind of what my ultimate takeaway would be is it really wouldn't affect how I feel about this draft. And so I, I just am still on, I, I think ultimately at this point, corner is the biggest need uh, that they have on this roster immediately this season. I think edge is still the biggest need long-term. And so if they're, if they're going to trade up, everybody's talking about trading up for the corner you like, whether it's Newsom or Farley, because they are projected to go just slightly, I think, ahead of where the Browns are picking right now. I'd actually, if they're going to trade up, I'd like to see it for an edge piece that they think can be the long-term fit. Whether that's Rousseau, whether 
I don't know what to think of where Jalen Phillips is going to go in this draft with his medical red flags versus talent kind of thing. But, you know, whether it's one of those guys, uh, you know, that you can get up for, I think if they are going to trade up, as I said, I lean toward actually the opposite them trading back. But if they are going to trade up, I would actually like one of those edge guys more than one of the corners. Well, it makes sense, uh, certainly, because the edge, you know, the guys available in the drafted edge are certainly much more limited to than the cornerbacks, right, in the draft. So if you're going to address the need first, edge makes sense uh, because the corner class is deeper, you know. So you can address that in the second round and still get a guy that – can fill the role you want them to fill. So that does make sense. I, I, you know, in a, in a perfect world, I I just don't, we just don't know enough about how this draft is going to fall. I mean, there could be guys there at 26 that we have are shocked are there, right? Like it could blow us away and change everything. What do you, I mean, what do you do if a receiver falls there that you're in love with at 26? Do you have a problem with them taking that guy? I don't either. I, again, I think receiver is a long-term view and I think smart teams draft a year ahead of time, right? Because Agreed. even if Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry are on this team next year, the odds two years down the line, they're on this team are very low and potentially both of them might not be because of both yeah. their age, their contract, all of those things. And so that guy to me is a luxury at receiver. So I would, you know, I would definitely prefer corner or, or still something on the defensive side of the football, uh, the end, but if the right receiver falls to you, sure. I would not go overdrafting one. Uh, you know, if they trade back and it's a, you know, Marshall out of LSU or, or one of those other guys, maybe it's overshot Bateman. I know has, has been, you know, uh, everybody's flavor recently, as far as somebody that could make a lot of sense with the Browns. Yeah, and sure. It's not as appealing to me. And, and ultimately here's why, and this is, and I'm going to, talk about this actually in a future episode with Jake Burns on receivers, but receiver to me isn't as valuable in this Browns offense, just because Stefanski uses so many packages that include multiple tight ends and he gets so much out of them. So ultimately I think it makes sense from a planning perspective, but from a value perspective, I I certainly don't think you should be trading up or necessarily prioritizing it. I think it should be, Hey, this person we have way higher on our board. They fell to us. We're in a luxury position with our roster where there aren't glaring needs that we have to address with this pick. Okay. Let's take the receiver. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, You make a really good point there about uh, certainly the usage of receiver. I mean, very often just two receivers on the field, you know, 12, 13 personnel. So I, I, I agree with you. That makes sense as far as that goes and the value of the position. I just, I'm thinking succession plan. You Absolutely. really need to have a, a, an elite guy. I don't think that, you know, after this season, I, I think probably that this is OBJ's last season in Cleveland. Uh, so in my personal opinion, yeah. So I, I just think planning for that makes sense, but you do have Donovan Peoples Jones, who I think has a, you know, a, a green arrow pointing up right now. So I think he could be really good. And, and, uh, but the one thing they do need, I think to address is a lack of speed that we saw them, you know, fail in the Kansas city game because they couldn't get any separation from guys like Brashad Breeland. You know, in, in a playoff game with with guys, you know, holding and they weren't calling it, it's because it was playoff football. There was nobody that could get, you know, just 
flat out outrun anybody and get some separation. And that's something that I think they need to address, whether it's later in the draft or earlier in the draft. I don't really uh, mind. He can be true to his board more because they don't have the needs. But certainly, I would agree with you that uh, edge and corner are still top priority. And and edge, there's less guys. So in a perfect world, yep, that would be your 26 pick. Uh, you're not out of Ojolari. That's fine. There's other guys there I like. I wouldn't touch Jalen Phillips with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> there's no I, way. The, I, the concussion thing is just too much, man. There's just too much. I turned on the tape with Jalen Phillips, and I was just like, okay, I have no idea what to make of this because I turned on the tape, yeah. and he's unreal. Like, I, I'm like, okay, I, if, this were, if I didn't know the medical aspect of this and I was watching him, I would say this guy – is a top 10 pick. There is zero chance he falls to the Browns. And then you factor in the medical part and you're like, there's also a, you know, a a very high chance that this guy doesn't even make it off his rookie contract as well. So I, I don't know what to do with it. I I would be shocked if he gets to the Browns anyway, frankly, because I think an NFL GM will turn on that tape and convince themselves uh, to take him uh, and and make him worth the risk. So that, that's just my, my personal thought that they will do that, but who knows? Uh, you know, you bring I th- up. And I think you're right though. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right though about Phil's. I think somebody will take him and gamble on him because he's just so elite, you know, um, so fast and, and he's just that type of guy, but man, I could just couldn't do it. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's just asking for a nightmare. I think, you know, I mean, he could go out in, in a, in a freaking preseason game and end his career, you know what I mean? Uh, like that. So that's scary to me. So I, I, I'm staying away from him. I, I I definitely understand that perspective. It's it, it, it it's definitely a, a, a quandary and it makes me glad I'm not necessarily somebody that actually has to pull the trigger on that for sure. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit more fun to just watch the tape and be like, oh, but see, uh, and and you bring up, I, I thought a, a good point with the speed and, and receivers. Part of my contention on why that's not a huge concern to me is I do think Odell Beckham just solves that a little bit for this season. I get that there were concerns in the Kansas City game as far as that's, you know, getting separation. I just think the Browns were missing their best receiver in most scenarios that didn't impact them during the season. And it did, unfortunately, against Kansas City. And that's why Odell was on the team. And now, as you said, maybe there's a thought that you have to plan for when Odell Beckham is gone from this team. And so I, I, I get that piece of it. I just like some of the guys later. Anyway, I love uh, Deami Brown out of UNC. He's oh. another draft crush of mine. Uh, and there are, there yeah. are a couple others, it, you know, that I think later on in the draft could, you know, solve that over the top speed presence if, if that's what the Browns need. So I, as I said, I just don't think the value is there necessarily to spend a, a first round pick on a receiver. I wouldn't hate it per se uh, if it's the right guy, but I, I wouldn't want to see them reach for one. Yeah, I mean, me and you are on the same page with these prospects. Deami Brown is kind of like a, a guy that I have circled and talked about a lot as a value guy, certainly a wide receiver. So I definitely uh, uh, love uh, his game. And uh, uh, yeah, I think I have him a lot higher than some people do in their mocks, right? Like I have him much higher. I mean, some of these mocks that you do, like everybody's doing the, the virtual mocks, right? Mm-hmm. And some of these things I'm like, there's no way these guys are on the board right now in real life. Right. Like, so some of that stuff is pretty crazy, but yeah, I, I like the Brown a lot. And I agree that it can be addressed later on in the draft. I mean, you have two threes and two fours. So 
you, I mean, you really have enlightened me a little bit here, you know, Henry, you've brought me to thinking a lot about trading back now. I mean, you know, I wasn't uh, considering it as much because I think that like, when I think of Barry in this season, I think of aggressiveness, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be aggressive and go after it. But, but trading back doesn't necessarily mean you're not being aggressive. It just means that you're trying to find that sweet spot where you get the guy you want and you're not reaching, right? Exactly. And I think there's, there's a possibility for a mix too, right? Where, okay, trading back in the first round may not be seen as an aggressive move, but maybe it's your trading back into the second round for your first pick and using some of your later draft capital to move up from 59. And then you get like a little bit of a sweet spot where, hey, maybe it is a receiver that falls a little bit more in that mid-second round range because there's a couple guys projected in there. And then maybe it is a, a defensive end or a, a corner. You know, we, we've talked about how much we love Tyson Campbell, who will almost assuredly be gone by 59. So, you know, there's a ways where, okay, maybe it's not first round aggressiveness, but I don't necessarily think that rules out overall aggressiveness either. It's just, to me, it's how the board falls. And as I'm sitting here, you know, they're, I'm just stuck on who the Browns are going to take ultimately at 26. I, I, I run through my mind. I'm like, okay, the edge guys, I don't necessarily love Are they trading up for a corner with their ability concerns? Are they really going to take a linebacker? And I'll, ultimately I'm just like, okay, what do teams do when they don't have a guy there? They trade back. And, and this is a front office that I think could trade back. Now, one other guy I want to bring up and this can be the last sure. one before we go. Cause I don't know how you feel about him. And I, I don't know how I feel about him. Trayvon Merrick. <laughs> Uh, has been mocked to the Browns in a couple scenarios. Yeah. He's another safety. We obviously talked about John Johnson. The third was their biggest yeah. addition. I like his film. I thought I did too. It, when I turned it on, I was like, okay, this guy makes a ton of, uh, you know, nice plays. He plays cent- kind of center field very well. Exactly what I like. My favorite thing about him was that he baits quarterbacks into throws. And I just love that out of a safety, you know, that opportunity for a game changing type play where you bait a quarterback into a bad throw like that. I think there's some opportunities with some younger quarterbacks in the Browns division where that could come in handy, but are, are the Browns also, you know, I run into the same question we've been talking about as far as value is the Browns spent the most money on John Johnson, the third and free agency. Are they going to add another safety to that mix? I think I ultimately fall on the side of, I would be okay with that because I don't know what Grant Delpit's going to give them. And we haven't seen it in the NFL. I feel like a lot of Browns fans are just like, oh, well, they have Grant Delpit. Like, they're not going to do that and add a fourth safety to the mix. I wouldn't hate it, but it, but he's somebody I could see being the logical choice there if these edges and corners are gone at 26 and you're not moving. It, it would be, okay, so it's not ideal, but if the guy, if they love him, right, if they love him, then I have no problem with it because – Here's the thing, Ronnie Harrison, we don't know what's going to happen there. Like we, I love his game and everything, but we really don't know. We don't have a huge sample size of what's going to happen with him and going forward. Right. Like I don't, he's only on contract for one more year after this. Right. So, uh, and then you have, you know, you've addressed, you know, John Johnson, the third, but Grant Delpit is a complete mystery as far as – not a complete mystery, but he, I mean, I expect him to be good and everything. Uh, but you can't, like, you know, permanent marker lock, lock him in as your safety of the future until he gets out on the field and proves he can stay healthy and do the job, right? So I, I agree 
And I also mentioned right at the top that I don't think Sheldrick Redwine is long for this roster. So if you push him out the door with a guy that is your long-term solution there, that's A, what smart teams do. It's one less guy that you're going to have to pay, right? So now you don't have to think about maybe if you really like him or maybe a Jamar, jo Jamar Johnson I like a lot, right? So like uh, as well at safety, um, maybe another around later or something like that. But like either of those guys, uh, I think that could be a long-term solution there. Um, and you don't have to think about maybe paying a Ronnie Harrison if you're not absolutely in love with this game, right? Uh, and that's one less guy that you have to you shell out money to because they have a lot of guys coming up they have to pay. I'm just always a fan of adding depth to key positions in your scheme. And I think, you know, you touched on this as well earlier in the show, the Browns love to play three safeties. And yeah. if you've got Ronnie Harrison, who's missed time, you've got Grant Delpit, who's obviously coming off a season ending injury that that's missed time. And you, you start to add up the pieces, you know, Carl Joseph signs with the Raiders. You don't have another guy there. And even John Johnson's had some durability, you know, issues pop up pop up at times. I mean, who hasn't it really, it feels like in the NFL at right. this point, especially at a position like safety. But if you say, okay, we're going to have three safeties on the field a lot. I get that adding depth isn't, as you said, maybe isn't ideal for your first round draft pick because ultimately he might not be crucial as far as this team's construction is concerned. And there are guys to address it later on in the draft. So maybe it's not option one. But I do feel like if the Browns don't have a trade back scenario they like and they, you know, the, the big name edge guys are off the board, you know, Ojolari goes 24th and not 26th, you know, it, that, that Merrick could make sense as like, okay, this guy is a good player. He fits the right spot on the board and he will be an important piece for this team on a cheap contract at the, at the very least. He may not fill a, a wide open hole on this roster, but it, it could make sense. So, as I said, I've just been a little, he's another guy where I've been a little stuck on where it's like, okay, I don't love the idea, but then I watched the film and I was like, okay, but he is a player worth this. So at yeah. least there's that part of it. Yeah. You know, if you can say he's worth the pick is certainly, you know, and, and he can provide you with, you know, a succession plan that a, you know, makes your roster better or saves you some money to make your roster better else somewhere else. That's all part of the team building thing, and I absolutely agree with you that if you love his tape, if they love his tape, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, they're in a position where they can do that. I don't think they were before this clowny thing happened. I think they were kind of stuck to, hey, we got to go get another edge. So uh, I think they're in a position where they can trade back. They can trade forward. Uh, they have a lot of things. I think ideally in my mind, and I know you're not high on them, ideally in a perfect world in this draft, Aziz Ojolari would fall right in their lap and I would be completely happy with that. And then they would trade up and get Tyson Campbell in the second round and I would be ecstatic, right? And then get Diami Brown and everything. So yeah, that would that would work out perfectly in, in my, uh, my dream scenario for the Browns. I no matter how this board falls, how the rest of the draft falls, if Tyson Campbell ends up on the Browns roster, I'm going to love this draft a lot. And I understand yes. that there are much more important things, especially because the draft is always a, a little bit of playing the roulette wheel. Uh, but, yeah. but I, I just, uh, yeah, as, as you said, I, I think he's highly undervalued. So who, Hey, who knows? But Brad, I think we'll, we'll cut it off here. It's been 
a great pod. I appreciate you so much for coming on again and talking about all these different scenarios because I feel like post this clowny signing now, it's just like the world is our oyster as Browns fans. Oh, 100%, man. I, anytime, brother, anytime. I, I love coming on and uh, you guys, uh, you have a uh, great conversation and uh, it's easy and uh, I enjoy it talking football, brother. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. You can find all of Brad's stuff on the Browns wire as far as writing is concerned. He's at Ward on Sports on, on Twitter. He's a great follow for all things Browns. Uh, we were just talking about before I came on the show, uh, before he came on. The, the pod that I had retweeted one of his takes this morning because I'm always checking in on what he's got to say as well as far as the Browns are concerned and plenty more draft content to come on this feed guys so stay tuned for all of that we're going to be breaking down so much more prior to that Thursday here in a few weeks so Browns fans until next time just two words for you go Browns <laughs>